Welcome to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Sasquatch listens while sweeping his porch. Yes, this is Through the Pines. And on this episode, we'll discuss the barriers to financial planning or the barriers to using a financial planner, which could include maybe you've been burned by a financial planner. Maybe you don't think you make enough money to use a financial planner. Understanding the costs involved on their side. What does what does a financial planner charge? And then not knowing maybe who to talk to. So we'll answer these questions and we'll get to that point where using a financial planner is easy peasy lemon squeezy. So introducing our financial planners for this podcast, Forbes Best in-state wealth management teams for Utah winners, also the advisor hub fastest growing advisors to watch under $1 billion, and the receivers of the Ameriprise Client Experience Award. Through the Pines introduces planwithbaxter.com's Brandon Smith and Rex Baxter. I feel like it's named after you, Rex. <laughs> it does? Plan with Baxter just... It couldn't be a, a, that much of a coincidence, correct? It's a coincidence. Okay. It's a coincidence, <laughs> pretty sure. And so, okay. no, we want people to plan with us and our team. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I look look to us for your all of your financial planning needs. So, But you charge too much. You charge too much. I can't afford you, Rex. I don't make enough money. Um, you know, what... What are these some of the barriers that you've seen when chatting with people and why they haven't maybe contacted you or any other financial planners because they just think they don't make enough or you take too much or that or, and so many more reasons, yeah. right? I, yeah. I mean, you're you're too expensive and, and yet they don't know the cost because they've never asked, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, I don't make enough or I don't have enough assets or I can do it on my own or I had a friend that had one and, and, you know, this financial plan, he called himself financial planner and he just sold me a bunch of insurance or something like that. Right. And so there's, there's all kinds of, you know, misconceptions and preconceived ideas. And so we are here to break those myths, to, okay. to break the barriers. So. Okay. Well, you, I've heard that you only make money if your clients make money that's not completely true, right? I mean, there's different ways to charge for, for planning. So, so we run our business in, in two channels, right? We run, run part of our business in a financial planning channel where we are working on people's financial plans. It's a, it's a living process. And so we're updating it regularly throughout the year and years over time. And, and we're looking at their net worth, their cash flow, their, you know, the, the projections over time and all the assumptions. And, and that's one part of our business. The other part of our business is asset management and investment management. And that's the other part of our business. And so on, on the financial planning side, right, that really doesn't have a lot to do with asset growth or asset spend down or, you know, th things like that. And so that, that really has to do with making sure that we're being as efficient as we possibly can with your dollars and making sure that we're, we're on a good trajectory to hit the goals that you want to hit. And if not, then we're making the, the trajectory and course changes over time that we need to, to get you there. On the investment side, there's two different ways that you can kind of work on the investment management with different financial advisors. You can do what's called a investment management fee. Some people use a, a term such as wrap fee to where they wrap the assets in a fee some people call them an asset-based fee, things like that, to where they're charging a percentage on the money that they manage. And the vast majority of our clients have us manage money in that fashion. 
However, there are some and some products that make more sense to charge just a flat commission or a flat fee or something like that on. And, and that's a one-time charge or transaction, meaning that if your investment goes up or down, it's still just that one-time charge. There's not additional income or cost or fees associated to the advisor on that transaction. But then when you go to sell it or get out, then typically there's an additional cost or transaction. So there's different ways to do that. And so we have that discussion with clients all the time as far as what's going to be the most efficient way to do it. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to offload the investment management? And therefore we would, you know, charge you a fee to take that on. Um, or is it, you know, it's an asset that you, has been in, passed down for three generations, uh, you know, some stock, and we're just trying to hold that in an account and, and not do anything with it. Then obviously we're not going to charge a fee on something like that because, it just doesn't make sense. It's just sitting there and we're just going to hold it and watch it and make sure that that if anything, any questions arise that we're addressing those. So, you know, I've heard that term frequently. I don't make money unless you make money. Well, and and that that's funny because, you know, even if your account goes down, right, there we're still charging a fee on that. We're just making less money, right? Our income goes up. If your account goes up, our income goes down. If your if your account goes down. And so we have a lot of incentive to try and make sure that your account is growing over time within the risk parameters that you give us um, to make sure that that you know that we're we're working with you towards those goals because at the end of the day, any client could let us go at any time. And then there goes the client, the revenue stream, you know, the the relationship, the, you know, that can be reputational damage, things like that. And so we have an extremely high retention rate of our clients that's that's in excess of, of 99% um, that clients, I, I still work with a lot of clients that I brought in, you know, 25, 26, 27 years ago when I started in the business. And so, you know, as, as did Dan Nelson before his retirement, he was still working with clients that he'd started with in, in the early 80s. And, and Brandon is working with clients that he started with. And my anticipation is that, you know, 50 years from now when Brandon's nearing retirement, then he, you know, he'll still be working with a bunch of the clients he's working with today. So, that, okay. That was a really good long answer, but thank you. But, but non-answer. Um, <laughs> so if I'm making like $50,000 a year and um, you know, how much of the percentage of that maybe annual salary would go to using a financial planner? And I know it depends on the, the specific ways they use use you, but yes. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. So, so your income, and this is a great question, Brandon. People will ask, all right, so when you charge based on assets, is it based on my whole net worth? Is it based on my income? Is it, you know, and, and the answer is, is You'll love this. It depends. Yeah. Um, it, but it ultimately ultimately comes down to kind of like what Rex was saying. Are we doing financial planning with you? Are we actively trying to figure out, you know, what what makes the most sense for Social Security? When do we file for Social Security? Obviously, we're not going to take a percentage of your Social Security. Right. But we're going to do the, the back work to figure out when it makes the most sense to take it. Um, when do we take, when do we make Roth conversions? Do Roth conversions make sense? What type of contribution should you make? When can you retire? If you retire at this date, how much can we retire on? All of those things um, take time. And, and so we'll charge, you know, we, we have a, a cost to, to manage that. Um, and that's in the financial planning. Obviously we meet together with clients. We look at their situation. We give them a quote and, and they can say, hey, that makes sense or no, it doesn't. 
we're, I'd like to think of us as being some of the least pushy financial advisors out there. Then in addition to that, we've got the, the, the cost of managing assets. And unfortunately, that's just a reality of investing. There is a cost to managing assets, whether you're in your 401k, an IRA, right? There, there are costs. Obviously, oftentimes those costs are, are fairly well hidden, especially in 401ks. And it's, it's funny, I laugh because, I mean, there's some of these really, really big 401k plans and, and they'll advertise, hey, we've got, you know, our, our funds only cost 0.15% or 0.17%. And, and people get so hung up on that cost. Like, man, if I can get this for 0.17, why on earth would I go somewhere where I'm going to have to, you know, pay one full percent or, or, or something along those lines? And, and I, I just have to laugh. I mean, we can do it. We can do that exact same thing for less than 0.15 or 0.17, right? We can buy an index and just hold it in a brokerage account and never trade it, never do anything just like it was in the 401k. And we can save you a lot in cost. But at the end of the day, the objective isn't to, to save on cost. The objective is to get you the most amount of money, the easiest way, and have you net out and, and take home the most amount of money for the least amount of risk. And, and so that's, you know, when we build out portfolios, the objective is to figure out, you know, what, how much risk can you take? How much risk should you take? And what is the most efficient way to get you there? And then also involving the financial planning side of things. Okay. That was a really, really good answer. Again, not answering the question. Um, I got three quarters of the way through. I was like, oh man, he's going to think this is an answer. <laughs> what is well, the answer to the question, Brandon? <laughs> well, it, it, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, it depends on the yeah. product and service yeah. that you're going to use, but um, uh, maybe it also depends on how much you're, so, you're investing. Rex, you want to So finish? it really depends on the complexity of the plan, right? Okay. Is what it really depends on. It really has nothing to do with your with your W-2 income or 1099 income or, or how you're getting your income or how much your income is. Right, whether it's fifty thousand or or seven hundred thousand or or five million dollars of income, right? But the more complex your situation is, then obviously the the higher that cost is because it's going to take us more time in order to to determine the best solutions for you. And so if you're you know if you're in a very very simple situation, single income, first marriage, not a blended family. Um, no real estate investments, no business, you know, ownerships, things like that. And, you know, then that's a fairly, a fairly simple situation. Then it's going to be extremely inexpensive, right? Yeah. To where, and, and, you know, to where it's probably less than a gym membership, right? Per, per month. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a more complex situation. Finally got a, we finally got an answer. This is fantastic. I know. Did, did you like that? <laughs> and and I, I'm pretty sure we're only 30 seconds into this podcast. <laughs> so, so, but the more complex the situation, right? If they're, if we're dealing with a, you know, a second, third, fifth, 10th marriage with, you know, blended kids um, from, from each of them, and we're dealing with, you know, you may have different rental properties, you may have some cabins, you may have, you know, some some private equity in a company, you may own, you know, a couple of different LLCs, um, or, you know, or have your own company that you're set up, things like that. That's a fairly complex situation. Yeah. And so something like that's going to take us quite a bit of time to kind of dig through and say, okay, where you know, what's your net income out of this and your expenses and which expenses are bleeding over and going to continue into retirement? And when are we planning on, you know, 
selling or liquidating or how do we get our money out or is this inheriting on down, then that's going to be a fairly complex situation. And, and that could, you know, that that will run the cost up because we're going to spend a lot of time to make sure that we get it right with you. Okay. okay so and the, so, so the, this is good. So the most complex thing you can think of, is that like, you know, cable bill monthly? Is that mortgage bill monthly? Like, what are we talking? So that's not very complex, right? If we're just dealing with a cable bill and a mortgage bill. And so that, that'd be no, a great- you said a gym, gym membership cost was like the oh, same as I got you. Board. I got you. As far as the cost goes. Yeah. 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 Then, then you're probably talking, you know, it, it could run. So on the, on the low end, right. If you're talking maybe, maybe, you know, 50 to hundred bucks a month or something like that on the high end, you know, you, you may be upwards of, and this would be an extremely complex situation, you know, but you might be north of a thousand dollars a month or something like that. But on, if you're making that much money, complex. yeah, sure. But that person's making a lot of money and right. We're talking net worths that are, that are in excess of, of, you know, 12 to 15 million in net worths. We're talking right. about, you know, incomes north of, of a million dollars a year okay. um, with multiple, multiple sources of, of income for the most complex situations. So when and I'm so like, the vast majority are, are down near that, near that bottom end, because that's yeah. just the vast majority of people. Which by the way, I just, I got my necklace was hiding. I just brought it out, but I, I found a necklace in my closet and my son wore it. Who's eight to school. He thinks it's the coolest thing ever. Which is I think of, you've had that since <laughs> certainly since high school. I, I recognize that necklace. Matter of fact, yeah. you wore that necklace um, on a trip to St. George one time when we were driving, hey, listening hey. to Underworld as we were driving through Zion's yep. in some fog late at night. Anyway, Brandon you know, wanted a story, story. <laughs> and so there's your story, Brandon. There's your story, right Brandon. There. The necklace. Uh, that yeah. see, it only took us we're 14 minutes of the podcast. We got such a good answer on that. That helps out a lot. So, um, when I'm making a million dollars a year in the next couple of years, and I finally hit that, you know. I can plan on spending about a grand a month with plan with Baxter to make sure I'm spending everything correctly. Is that what you're saying? If, if your situation gets that complex, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, but it is complex. And so, you know, we want to make sure that you're being as efficient as you can from a tax standpoint, a liability standpoint and the state planning position, your cash flows, Right. Your legacy and the way that we're going to pass that on your your philanthropy and how we're gifting things. There's a lot that goes into those complex situations. And, and we love working on those situations, not from an income standpoint, but from a challenge standpoint. Yeah. We love the, the intellectual challenge of, OK, you know, here's an extremely complex situation. You know, what's the best avenues? Because there's probably 10 good avenues of doing different things and it's matching up your personality, your biases, and and kind of the way that that you, your relationship with money as to what the best solution may be. Very cool. I, I, I will add too, you know, you mentioned, oh, if you got that much money, then, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and, and there may be some truth to that, but I will say that I found no, that. Sorry, let me correct real quick, Brad. No, I think it, I think it does matter. I think when you have that much money, you're probably smart enough to realize if I spend a grand a month, this is going to save me a hell of a lot more. So that's why right. I'm like, I'm definitely spending that much money to have yeah. better financial planning. And I was just going to add to the contrary. Oftentimes people that have the most money are usually the smartest 
with with and are making very wise financial decisions with that money. And they're conscious of it, too. Right. They understand, hey, I'm paying a cost. But why do they do it year after year after year? Because of what they get out of it. I can't tell you how many times I've met. I mean, I've met I've had several appointments typically with engineers, right, where they come and, and the conversation goes something like this. They walk in and say, hey, I've done my financial plan. I've read these books. I've read quite a bit online. I've got my Excel spreadsheet. I brought it so that we can take a look at it. Um, I forecasted all of my assets out. Um, my financial plan is done. I did it myself, but someone said that you'd take a second look at it and not charge me to just kind of once over it, you know, and, and, and we get into that meeting by the end of the meeting, it is so fun because they're just like, I, so, so often they just, there's a list of things they had never even considered. Mm. Um, and, and, and significant things, things that will save a, a large portions of money. And, and the problem is, is, is the amount of options available to you as an individual within finance are so vast that it's impossible to just read a book or do a Google search and figure out everything out there. And so I think that's kind of our challenge to you if, as an individual. If you think, hey, my plan's done. I don't need an advisor. I don't want to pay for the cost. Come into our office. We're not going to charge you for an initial visit. Sit down. Tell us what you got going. We'll speak openly, right? We'll tell you things that you ought to consider and why you ought to consider it. And, and you know, and even from there, right, if you want to go do it yourself, great, right? I'm, I'm happy to give an, an hour of my time to help you if I can, you know, make your life that much better. But most times people understand and recognize just the, the value of it, but also the complexities and the importance of really digging deeper on it. And that's that's why they hire us. Okay, so opposite, what is the minimum amount of money that I'm like, if I'm making $25,000, dollars a year, or or less and i just want to put a monthly amount in into a savings or an investment or something what's the minimum you'll work with how much money do i have to make that you know that that one you're gonna love this too it depends right um we i the thing i think the most important takeaway is we will always meet with you right we will always sit down and we get it a lot where parents are like, hey, I'm worried about my kid or my kid's young, just getting started. We'll sit down with them and, and we'll figure out, hey, how, how can we how can we get your plan on track? Obviously, I wish I had you know enough time in the day to take on all clients and help everybody at every asset level. But but sometimes we can't. Um, but what I can do is, is give you look at your situation, help you get some next steps. And that's often what we do. Say, all right, do this, this, this and this. And then once you're once you're to that point, let, let's connect again, maybe in one, two, three years and and see if we can help you. But we can at least give you some steps to get you started. That works. Rex, I can imagine some a barrier would be um, someone actually having experience with using a financial planner in the past and it didn't go well. Uh, whatever that means, they lost money or something. So how do you overcome that? Because I'm sure you've seen that challenge. Yeah, we, we definitely have seen that challenge. And it's it's tough to rebuild trust in a profession like that. And so once that trust has been broken with one financial advisor or one financial planner, then typically that gets correlated to everybody in that industry. Sure. And you're all the same. And, <laughs> right. And and what I would say is that that they're not all the same and every advisor at every firm is not the same. 
Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, it comes down to who you're working with and, and you need to have trust and confidence in that person. Now there, you know, we have, you know, multiple podcasts that we've done on how to select a financial advisor and, and things to look for and, and kind of what to expect. And when you're working with a financial advisor, and, and I think that, that all of those should probably be re-listened to. So I expect our, our listens to spike on those episodes over the next, you know, uh, after the release of this. But I I think it takes time. And I think it takes a lot of listening from us to understand what went wrong. And was it a expectation issue, meaning that, that the client was expecting a certain thing to happen and the advisor had different set of expectations um, and it was just miscommunication in that front, or was it somebody that was, you know, kind of putting themselves out there as a holistic financial planner, looking at somebody's entire picture when really they're just trying to sell a certain product or, or a particular service. And they really aren't interested in kind of a living financial planning process like we do at plan with Baxter. And so, you know, where ours goes on and develops over time, that trust, you know, it builds, you know, it builds fairly quickly, but then it gets just strengthened over that relationship and over that time as they continue to work with us and, and, and understand, you know, kind of what we're doing and how we do it and that communication with them and making sure that the expectations are clear on both sides. And, and that at the end of the day really comes down to a lot of listening and, and, and talking openly and transparently with everybody that comes to the table. And so, but that, that is a difficult one. And, and we still, I, you know, we still probably have, I could probably count them on one hand, but we still have a handful of clients that, that had been burned, you know, 10, 20, 25 years ago, and we're still trying to rebuild that trust in, in that relationship um, mm-hmm. because the, the hurt was so deep that they've never really been able to kind of get past that with anybody. Point and, of clarification: We weren't the ones that burnt them or hurt them. <laughs> right, sure, sure. Good clarification, Brandon. So yeah, we're just we're, still we're trying to get them back, but they after. hate our guts. <laughs> well, yeah. there's a. I, I watch a lot of the financial networks, and I I can't remember. I don't remember what I was, but there's a commercial circulating right now, and I've seen it a lot. And it's this guy who. Um, is basically basically scared to ask the person in front of them if they're a licensed financial planner or something and they say like oh yes yes i i have this blah 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 license and he's like oh god and then it's a commercial for that company or whatever but to clarify you guys are not only licensed but this is i mean you've been doing this for an awfully long time yeah we we carry a lot of different licenses of course right i mean we have our securities licenses our series you know series 7 and 63 and 65 and so forth um and then we have you know i i'm a certified financial planner and so i have my cfp i'm a cfp certificate and have been for for well over 20 plus years in addition to that i you know i i'm i'm also an accredited investment fiduciary and so you know, in both of, of those things, we are fiduciaries for our clients and we have to be with all of our clients in order to maintain those certifications. And so and, and what that means is that we have to put our clients interests first. We have to put them ahead of ours. We have to put them ahead of our firms. And so our clients interests have to come first. And, and that is an important thing because there's there's a lot of times where you're working with a financial advisor out there 
that will be a part-time fiduciary, right? If they sell you certain products and services, then they're a fiduciary on those products and services. But then when they sell you other products and services, they're not a fiduciary mm. uh, in that instance. And so they kind of go back and forth like a windshield wiper. Yes, I'm a fiduciary. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. You know, I'm not, you know. And and so that's where all that confusion comes from. Um, and, and it is a confusing industry that way is are you a fiduciary? Are you always a fiduciary? You're, you know, and those are important things. The other things is, is checking up the background like a broker check and, and making sure that there's not, you know, complaints or, or financial disclosures or different things like that on, on somebody's record. And if there are, that it can be, you know, that it's logical, it can be explained and that you're comfortable with whatever has been disclosed on, on those federal websites. So th those are important, but, you know, I, I think it can get really confusing really, really quickly. So, okay. Brandon, let's talk numbers. Some more numbers for us. So I saw this one. This was uh, OASDI came out and, and they, they had some, and I, I fascinated with social security, right? Because it's one of the main questions we get anytime I mention social security for the first time, clients kind of roll their eyes like, yeah, they will never see that. Um, but they've come up with some updated numbers, and it's really interesting. I've watched this move back from 2031, 2034. Now they actually moved back the projection, the projected exhaustion date, right? The, the date at which the trust fund will go to zero. They pushed it back a year. So now we're looking at 2035 as the year when Social Security runs out of money by their projections. At that point, the revenue that is going to cover, so the money coming in from people continuing to work and pay their social security taxes is going to cover approximately 80% of the benefit that we've promised to come out. That's up from 76%. And, and so it, it's kind of been interesting to watch this, right? As, as news and press on social security has gotten worse and worse and worse, it's actually the, the it, it's funding a little bit better. Um, obviously, there's still an issue there, right? We want to see this fully funded at 100%. And we also, we think that by time, you know, 2035 rolls around, my guess is there's not a politician in the world that wants to put their name on the person who took away Social Security, right? Americans aren't prepared for that. It's morally wrong. I know politicians sometimes are okay doing morally not perfect things, but this, I, I think, I think we likely get it funded Oftentimes with clients who especially are nervous about it, we'll actually, we can discount social security and make the assumption that social security only covers 80% of what they promised they do. And so I, I just thought those were some interesting numbers to watch this progression of the projected social security. Yeah. Do you know why it changed and bumped, bumped another year? I, I don't for sure. I know demographic shifts are, are making a big part of this right mm -hmm. and 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 trying to project those and and obviously on top of that you have income you have inflation i mean there's a lot of different factors going into this um so i don't have an exact number okay all right one of the other barriers to using a financial planner this one i think is, is pretty pretty funny this one is like what are you guys are going to suck all the fun out of life you have to save everything <laughs> Like we're just going to, they're just going to tell you, you can't spend any money. You just have to save it all. Is yeah. That, my, why is that my, wrong, Rex? My kids gave me the name fun sucker for a reason. So. Fun sucker. <laughs> no, but that's no, not it's, true because listen, on a personal note, that is knowing you for as long as I have, it's like not true. You've, you've always <laughs> seeked out fun. And so what, 
maybe and the money helps allow that right and so the more money you have the more i mean it's true the more fun you can have and i mean in certain aspects but in all things you can take care of your family you can make sure you're not stressed out about it's what money is one of the biggest reasons for divorce and so when you have the money it's 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 helpful and it can be fun correct yeah we we are fun seekers right yeah, and yeah. so we we try and seek out the fun and and i think i think it's interesting because you know we'll have a client and they'll and they'll come to us and they'll be like they'll feel guilty and they'll they'll come in completely apologetic and they're like rex brandon we're we're gonna take a trip to europe right <laughs> we we're gonna head over there yeah. you know we were gonna go two weeks we cut it down to 10 days this is how we're going to save money. Oh, on this is confession, trip. essentially. Yeah, yeah, They're right. And so, yeah. Co- completely. And and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, through our planning process, we're planning on you spending, you know, twenty five thousand dollars a year on trips like this, and you're telling me you're only going to spend ten. Go spend another fifteen. Hmm. Go have fun. Go take some excursions. Go take yeah. some, you know, whatever you want to do. Go have fun. Go enjoy life. You, you know. A, it's your money. You don't need my permission. A, right? But but B, if you're looking for my permission, I've already given, right? I mean, it's already in the plan. We've already accounted for it. Okay, so and I want to see Angry fun. Rex. What happens when they spend too much? And you're like, I told you. Well, it's more disappointing. You know, it's more what? Disappointed. Disappointed. Like yeah. Okay. Right. Let's like, see, yeah. Oh, let's, oh. You know, yeah. it's. We, we had this discussion that, you know, about, <laughs> about, you know, discussion. choices and consequences. You oh, made your boy. choice. Here come the consequences. Yeah. And, and so now, you know, instead of sending you, you know, 5,000 a month, we've got to cut that back to 4,600 or else we're going to run out, you know, or we have the potential of running out when later on in life. And so, you know, then we're going to have to cut back a little bit. But yeah. generally, it's, it, we can make little tweaks along the way to where we don't have to have that discussion. But sometimes a discussion like that needs to be had. And at the end of the day, it's it's just choices, right, is all it is. And it's if you're going to spend more today, then that means that typically you're going to have less tomorrow. And so there's a balance. And it's it's us trying to help you find that balance and try and have confidence in that balance to where you are feeling good and you know that you're doing everything for the future that you need to be doing. And so enjoy everything that you get today and, and don't feel guilty. You know, we'll have people feel guilty about going and buying a new outfit sometimes. And, and it's like, Oh my goodness, you're doing everything. Everything is being done that should be done. And here you are secretly, you've got this little secret hidden savings account in the teapot, right? Where you're putting your $10 or whatever the case may be. And, and you don't need to do that. Go spend it, go have fun. You're doing everything else that we need you to do over here. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's interesting, the psychology and the behavioral, you know, nuances that everybody gets stuck in, especially when it's related to money and finance and then, and then we get that persona pushed on us as being taking away the fun when really we just want you to have confidence and in, and, and the freedom to enjoy what you want to do. Yeah. And, and so that's where we're headed. Uh, the, the, go ahead. Brandon. Bittersweet appointments are the people who have just crunched on life and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved. And, saved. 
until finally, you know, they get into their 60s and like, all right, we got to figure out how retirement works and we meet with them. And we're able to say, like, you're good. In fact, you're so good. I mean, you can keep saving if you want, right? But you, sh we should, I will tell clients, we should reduce your 401k savings. I'll say, but why? Like, shouldn't I save more for retirement? And I say, well, you can, but if we're already on track to live on, you know, $8,000 a month, and like, like, do you really need, and you're living today on 5,000, why on earth, why wouldn't we bring your lifestyle up to 8,000 and then know that you can sustain that for the rest of your life? I mean, sure, we can stay at 5,000 and boost your retirement up to 8,500, but who cares? Like at this point, like, like you live while you're young, you know, and, and, and that's the sweet part, right? It's really fun to tell people they need to spend more and show them why they can spend more. The bitter part of that, though, is looking back at the last decade and, and kind of feeling for them, right? And saying, man, like how many vacations did they miss? How many experiences with grandkids did they miss? How many, you know, fights between themselves did they have that they couldn't spend that we could have solved had we just had this conversation because you just didn't need to push this hard, mm. you know? And, and, and the flip side of that is people who will come in and, and we'll, we'll be like, hey, Brandon, all right, we finally, we got our house and we got it the way we like it. Or I went and I bought this car and I know I shouldn't have, but I wanted it. I bought this boat, whatever it was, I went and I did this. Now I will do finance. Whatever you tell me, I'll, I'll make that, you know, we'll, we'll go from here. This was a non-negotiable to have this house or to have this car or to have this trip or to have this boat. And, and, and the pain of it is I look at it and say, we could have, right? It's your money. We're going to do whatever you tell you tell me to do. We'll make it happen. But we could have done this and paid half the taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, we could have saved you significantly if we would have just financed it for five years or three years and then paid it off over three years mm -hmm. and not taken massive distributions from your 401k. Mm -hmm. We could have done, we could have increased our employer match dramatically if we would have just like structured this a little bit differently. And, and so I think that that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions on a financial advisor is that we're just going to tell you to stop having fun in life when quite the contrary, we're, we're going to tell you how to have the most fun for the least amount of dollars, right? How to spend the least amount of taxes, how to spend the least amount on interest and, and enjoy your life to the fullest. And we're okay. If you want to enjoy life, to a heavier extent and spend more over the next 10 years and then bring back lifestyle and retirement. There's dangers to that. We'll discuss that. But at the end of the day, if that's what you want, we'll do it. And we see it, right? People will have, you know, a, 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 a disease that, you know, they expect to pass away in the next five years and they want those five years. We are a hundred percent behind that, or we're a hundred percent behind, you know, helping your kids out and doing these different things. But, but our job is to help you understand what is the most efficient way to accomplish the goals that you have. And Rex, before, as we close out, I just want to say that um, you shouldn't be intimidated by financial planners. Financial planners are people too. Yeah. The, does this face look intimidating? No, I'm just kidding. It's definitely a face for radio. But uh, no, it's it's not. I, I think... I think some of the big misconceptions, like Brandon said, is is that they think financial advisors or, or planners are going to come in and and 
say, you know, I have this, this enormous long list of rules and, and what you can't do with your, with your money and, and different ways that it has to be handled. And, and at, at the end of the day, it's their money, right? It's not our money. And, and, you know, we never, ever forget that it's yours. You work for it. You're continuing to work for it. Right. And it's a privilege that we have to be able to work with you, our clients. And, and we appreciate that trust and, and confidence that our clients put into us. And we do not take that lightly because we know that the, the advice and guidance that we're giving has impacts that most frequently extend well beyond our clients' lifetimes, right? It extends into their children's lifetimes and their grandchildren's lifetimes as far as the impacts that we're having. And, and you know, we want to help you achieve what is most important to you. I think what's interesting is very few people as they come in are, are very good at articulating what they want, what their goals are, what, you know, what they're really trying to do. And so it's through um, sitting down, us asking a lot of questions, taking a lot of time to listen, and and that developing over time, you know, rarely can that be discovered in one meeting or or even even lots of times during the first year. We'll kind of set a trajectory, and then as time goes on, clients will open up more and more, and, and we get to know their personalities, and we get to know their families and what really is important to them over time. And so we, we continue to, to kind of make the adjustments on the trajectory and on the plan to, to where it's starting to align more and more with what initially they were unable to articulate. And the further we get into our, into our relationship, you know, the, the more they're able to do that, the more they're able to sit there and say, yeah, this is what's important to me. And this is, you know, what I really want to do with my money over time. So, you know, awesome. Uh, Rex, Brandon, thanks so much for spending some time with us and helping dispel some of these barriers to entry when it comes to using a financial planner. Uh, that is it for this episode of Through the Pines. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Through the Pines Podcast. This has been Through the Pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. 